thank you. It's great to be here we go. with you uh, this morning. I want to start with a, a question for you. Um, what is so important you can't not pray for it? Apologies for the double negative linguist in the room. What is so important you can't not pray for it? Or the non-double negative way is, what is so important you have to pray? Like John said, we've been doing a series on prayer, and we started at the very beginning with saying, Lord, teach us to pray. That prayer that disciples unintentionally said when they gathered around him and saw the prayer life of Jesus that was so attractive, so different to the way they've ever seen it before, and longed for him to teach them to pray. To pray. And we've been on a journey as a church thinking about more and more what it means to be a people of prayer. What does it look like looking at the prayer life of Jesus to be a people of prayer? And I wonder what has God spoken to you about over the last few weeks and months? How is your prayer life going? What's the thing that he's reminded you of? And then if we're honest, we've probably forgotten a couple of weeks later that he wants to remind us of again. Because actually this is such an important thing Prayer, it's, if I'm bold in saying it, it's the, probably the uh, primary, uh, our primary purpose is to be a people of prayer, to be in relationship with God with that. It's what's so beautiful and unique about the Christian faith, is that we're invited into a deep relationship with him, and from that place does he choose to not only transform us, but transform society, transform the world, and bring his kingdom here on earth, but from that place of relationship. Prayer isn't a shopping list of God of all the things that we want. Prayer is about relationship. And it's why over the weeks we spent so much time not really thinking about asking God for things. We've not really spent much time thinking about that. We've been thinking about things, what it means to be knowing God in prayer, having time in prayer, what it means that he hears us in prayer, that place of forgiveness in prayer, hearing him in prayer, having space of lament and hurt in prayer. And like I said, it's only really now we're taking the chance at the last week to really think about what it means to ask in prayer, what it means to ask God in prayer. Because as we've seen, it's about that place and purpose of relationship first, and then from that place being invited, invited by God into a place where we can change the world through our prayer. So if you've got a Bible, we're in John chapter 14, uh, verse 11 to 21. I'll read in a second. But to set the scene of where we're at, uh, in John's narrative, this extract is taken from the Last Supper. He's just washed the disciples' feet. He's just predicted that Judas is going to betray him. He's predicted that Peter's going to deny him. And then he's now trying to comfort them a bit because they probably need it. And this is how he chooses to comfort them. Uh, verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Just that starting place of reminder. They've spent the last three years with Jesus, seeing all the amazing things he's done, seeing all the amazing things he said and taught to them. He's encouraging them. Remember all those things as, as proof, as evidence that I am in the Father. Remember that. 
And he continues, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll give it to you. Wow, hold on to that. We're going to come back into a second. He continues, if you love me, keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you an, another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because he has neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and we will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live you also will live. On that day, you'll realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my command and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show them myself to them. He promises the one that is to come, the Holy Spirit, the one that will give them power and authority, that God will enable his people through the power of the Holy Spirit to do those things that Jesus has been doing and even greater things than them. And it seems incredible. It seems amazing. And at first glance, it seems super simple. Jesus says, if you ask in my name, because of the Holy Spirit, it will happen. Awesome. Easy. I'll pray whatever prayer I like. Chuck on the end. In Jesus' name, amen. And it's going to happen. I see smiles around the room. We know if we've lived in a life of faith for a little while, that's not how that works. Jesus isn't saying, if you just tag on the end of a prayer, in Jesus' name, it's all sorted. It's much, much deeper. Much more powerful. Much more life-giving than that. Because one of the things you may have noticed as you read through that passage is three times Jesus refers to this idea, if you love me and keep my commands. First in verse 12 where he says, whoever believes. In verse 15 where he says, if you love me, keep my commands. And in verse uh, 18, I think it's the end, he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. To come and pray. And to expect to see the things that Jesus did in our lives, first relationship with him is so key. It's why that primary point of prayer is relationship. As we draw close to him, as we listen to him, as we grow in love for him, as we let his words and teachings impact our lives, as we follow him, as we keep drawing closer and closer to him from that place, incredible things happen. From that intimacy of loving and being loved, from that closeness of understanding his words and following his commands, are we invited and entered into this place which Jesus describes annoyingly simply, yet is so complex of how he is in the Father. And we are in him and he in us. That's how close that relationship he wants of us. As if we are physically intertwined bodies somehow, we are in him. 
but it points to that closeness of relationship he wants for each and every one of us. And to know that joy. And from that place, he invites us to pray in his name. Paul uses this idea later on in, in Scripture of, of, of ambassadors, how we're ambassadors for Christ. And what an ambassador does is an ambassador goes on behalf of a leader of a country to meet other important people. And an ambassador comes with the same authority and power as the leader they're speaking on behalf of. And because of that, they're often the most senior people in a country. They're often people who've been working close to that senior leader for years and years and years. They know their minds, their thoughts. They know and work closely with them. They know where they stand on many, many different issues so that when they're in those places, they know that the answers they're going to give I'm going to be in line with the answers the leader would give. That's why Paul uses that phrase in, in 2 Corinthians. And I think this is what Jesus is referring to here, is we're invited into that place of deep knowing and belonging in him and being in him. Therefore, we can ask. To ask in the name of Jesus, we need to know him. We need to know the things that he would ask. We need to know his character, know his heart, know his intention, know his plans and his purposes. And before this becomes like, whoa, God, I'm never going to get there, because we're never going to get there. Jesus invites us into that place anyway while we're still learning, to dare to pray and to see what he does with our little human earthly attempts at prayer. And from that place, he often teaches us more and more as we step out in boldness to ask God for things he teaches us more and more his will his purpose and his intentions I've had uh, so many times when we've been praying for people to be healed so many times and so many times where it feels like nothing happens by God's grace some incredible miraculous things will happen but other times it feels like nothing and even though I know God, I know that he's a God who heals, I know that he's a God who loves, I know that he's a miraculous God. But the thing is, I often don't know how he wants to heal. Because sometimes the healing is the release of death and eternal healing. And while earthly that is so hard and I weep and I hurt in those moments and I don't understand and I lament Actually, the more and more I dare to step into that place of possibly being hurt, the more and more God teaches me his way and his will. It's not an equation of if we just pray in this way, in this manner, of these things on the end, suddenly it will happen. It is a relationship. But the true reality is, is we have a miraculous God who loves us and invites us into a place where prayer our prayer makes an impact. Our prayers matter. Your prayers matter. What we pray for matters and changes the world. And by God's grace, he invites us into that place. It seems like an incredible invitation. And it's where I am often left with that question I started with. What is so important that I can't not pray for it? 
What is it in my life that I can't leave up to chance? Because if we believe prayer is powerful, present, our miraculous God can move mountains and do incredible things to cause to happen, who invites us into that place where we can dare to ask the creator of the world to move mountains and do incredible things, what will we pray for? What will we pray for? I love a plan and strategy and statistics. That's why I, I put together the survey. Um, I love doing those things and working out and coming up with good ideas and good ways forward. And I love that we're a church that intentionally wants to do that and do that well. And so much goes on beyond, behind the scenes to help our hope and dream and vision of what God lays on our heart. See, the people of Basingstoke come to know Jesus. And while all the plans and strategies help, the only thing that will actually cause it to happen is God. It's why we're passionate about prayer. Because actually, our, from that place, incredible things happen. It's so important that I can't not pray for it. To see my friends and family who don't know Jesus yet, to come to know him. As a parent, the thing I want most for my children is for them to come and know Jesus, their Lord and Savior. And I have no intention of leaving that up to chance. I want to do all that I can that they get to a place later on in their lives that they can't help but see and know Jesus for who he really is. That they can't help but say, yes, he is Lord. So I read the Bible with them, pray with them, share our lives with Jesus with them. And so much of that is great, is important as well, but it is oh so important. I can't but help not pray for them. Pray that they come to know Jesus. Uh, recently, well, the story's longer. For many years, um, Hannah, my wife, has had a calling on her heart, an incredible word spoken her, over her about being a mum to many and a heart to foster. And again, this summer, God just reminded uh, her of that um, and spoke about actually, even though it's still years away, actually to start to grow a habit and foundation for that now. And, and I love that this is a calling on her life. And I know our lives are intertwined, and I'm past that too. But the other week, I was, I was chatting to God about what my part in that was. What am I called to do now? And God just broke my heart for those children. And I realized that it was oh so important to me, to God, that I couldn't help but not start praying. Praying for them. Even though they're probably not alive yet, even though I don't know their names, God does and to pray for their lives, for their protection. Because the reason they're going to be ending up in our home is because they're going to be going through incredibly terrible things. And they may well have no one around them to love them, to care for them, to pray for them. They are way too important not to pray for. And in reality, the answer to the prayer that I want to pray will never happen. I pray that no kid ever has to go into care, but the reality is, for whatever reason, and reasons I don't understand, 
of God's will and intention, that's not always the answer. But that doesn't mean not to pray. Pray for them that even in those worst of circumstances, that he protects them. It's way too important not to pray for, not to ask in his name to do incredible, miraculous things. Because if God moves, nothing else matters. If God does things in our lives like Jesus did, and even greater things, nothing else matters. No plans, no strategies matter. What is so important for you that you can't but not ask him for it? That may be people that you know who don't know Jesus yet. That may be a situation in your life right now at the moment that you don't see a way out. That you need God to move. That may be healing. That may be family. That may be health. That may be dreams that God has laid on your heart years ago. Maybe a calling on your life. But what is so important that we're willing to pray for days, weeks, months, years? God invites us to pray for anything, from the smallest of things to the greatest of things. But with his name comes power and authority to do the miraculous, to do what is not humanly possible, but only divinely possible. And from that place of daring to pray and asking his name, allowing him to teach us his will in that place, that we might continue to draw closer and closer to him, but that we might see him move mountains, see his kingdom come on earth in our lives, in our workplaces, in our streets, in our homes, in our town.